Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. We do that in our own lives and in our church services. And we'll just talk a little bit about how we do life and church. All these sessions are being uh, recorded. And what's going to happen is at the end of the, uh, uh, in the next few days, we'll send out an email with a spot that you can connect to the MP3s. Okay, so that's what we'll be doing um, for people to get that. So uh, that's how it's work, working, Pete, isn't it? That's how it's going to work. Okay, so that's why Lydia asked you for your email address when you were registering in. If you uh, didn't register in, you came today and you just didn't uh, get that, if you want to make sure, just see uh, Peter or Lydia or Tim, one of the guys here, and they'll make it. We've got most of your email addresses anyway. So today I want to, uh, this session we want to, I'm going to get uh, Doug and Mary Lynn to share, so you've had enough of me talking for a while, so I'll do a little bit more, but we're going to get a few others to share from the team today. But um, one of the culture statements of our church, we've got an acrostic, Bayside, Bible-believing, A for always generous, Y is yes to the Holy Spirit, S is service, I is inclusive, all ages, nationalities, backgrounds. D is discipleship and E evangelism. Just that's our seven core values or uh, cultures that we're just in the process. Marilyn and I are refining those now. So we're doing the hard work of rewriting. We had seven DNA statements and seven culture ones and some of them overlap. So we're now putting them all together in seven. So that's been, we give half a day a week for the last uh, six or eight weeks trying to do that. Don't come in the office. We sit at home in our computer and wrestle with this stuff. It's like wrestling a tiger to the ground and trying to... And so there are times when you just got to do that fresh and review and refocus and just get clearer and more focused. So we're wrestling. But why is yes to the Holy Spirit? So we've had that as our culture in our church for 15 years since I've been here. And I've always had that in my life in ministry. And, and we both have. So how? How do, you make, how do you say yes to the Holy Spirit and make room? We're going to talk about a few practicals and things that we've done and shared. By making room for the Holy Spirit to flow in every area of your life, in our church. So we have our Sunday services, our, our worship, our kids, our youth, our prayer, our life groups, our older calls, our healing ministry, evangelism, our transformations, drug and alcohol program, community engagement. All of them just need to have space there for yes to the Holy Spirit. What, and that will look different in all of those different ministries. But it's a, it's a basic value that we are very strong on in our church. Always has been and always will be. We've developed an expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to speak and move every day. And that doesn't mean you've got to have a miracle popping out every Sunday and, and five prophecies flowing to make room for the Holy Spirit. You need the preaching to be anointed. You need the communion message to be sharp and punchy and just helping people connect with the finished work of the cross. You need your worship leaders that are flowing in the spirit and they've done a reasonably good selection with songs and there's a flow happening. They're not just singing their favorite songs again. It's flowing. The MCs or the meeting leaders are in tune so they're picking up the wind of the spirit and, and it's flowing through. And in your youth groups and life groups, whatever, our kids' church, they regularly have altar calls over there and pray and minister and prophesy over one another in the kids' church. You say, well, how are they going to do that? Well, they do. And then when they grow a few years older, 
that's that's their culture. Start it young. Get your families learn to pray together and not do a boring read a chapter of the Bible through their family devotions, but learn to pray for healing for their one another. And you just it's just everywhere. One Thessalonians five twenty to twenty one is one of the few verses I'll use in this session. I think I've only got two verses for the whole session, so this is going to be easier. One Thessalonians five twenty to twenty one in the Amplified says, "Do not quench, subdue." Or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Do not scorn or reject the gift of prophecy or prophecies that is spoken revelation, words of instruction or exhortation or warning. Wow. So it's very clear. Do not quench. Do not subdue or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's a really good verse to unpack and think through. What does quenching, how have we quenched the spirit maybe when you're tired or busy or you quench the spirit because you're three minutes over on the run sheet in a certain area and think, mate, we've got to get this sorted. You can end up inadvertently quenching the spirit when it might be a five more minutes response time at the worship and you cut down your preaching five minutes, you still finish on time for those professional people to get out and the family thing, people to do it. You don't have to have five-hour-long meetings to let the Spirit move. When you build an expectation and culture, you walk in and something's there. So it's just building that expectation. It's easy to be afraid of the supernatural, but the Holy Spirit wants to lead us and teach us to live a life of faith and expectation. Others quench the Spirit, and like I shared yesterday, because we don't want to offend people with speaking in tongues or signs and wonders happening, such as physical manifestations of people falling down under the power of God or crying or shaking or any other response or reaction to the Holy Spirit. If I see something happen, we pray for someone, they go down the floor and I look up and see a few people saying, whoa, what's going on? And all of a sudden a bit of fear comes on them. I take a moment, 30 seconds to explain what just happened. Every now and then I'll use the illustration. There's a PowerPoint over there and if I went and put a, a knife in there and I'm holding on it you wouldn't be at all surprised if I got thrown across the room my hair stood on end and I started to vibrate violently I said why on earth do we get surprised when that happens with 240 volts and someone's just plugged into all the power of heaven why should we be surprised there might be some reaction and even unbelievers say that makes sense all of, all of a sudden there's fear settled another one when sometimes people fall down I say who's ever been to hospital for an operation did they operate on you standing up no, they go to anesthetic and laid you on the, on the table. I said, God's just doing some operation now, getting some people free from some sickness and darkness over their souls. So let's pray for God's blessing on it. Those two simple illustrations have eased a whole lot of people's fears about signs and wonders. God will give you some. Or you just share a little story of, you know, sometimes you wonder what might happen here. Last week, someone got touched and they're on the floor for 10 minutes they woke up next day free of that oppression and fear that's been on their life for three years. That's all you need to say. Move on. Sometimes we just got to give pastoral leadership to the work of the Spirit. Acts 2, Holy Spirit got poured out. All this amazing stuff going on. What happened next? Peter gets up and explains from the Word what just happened. We preach and then we hope something happens. When the Holy Spirit's working, stuff happens and we get up and explain what's just happened. I love church that way. It's a lot easier. 
<laughs> so don't be afraid to teach, instruct, lead your people when the Spirit of God does things that people don't understand. If there's a prophecy or a word of knowledge or especially in tongues and someone interprets or someone sings a prophetic song, if you've got some new people there, say, hey, maybe you're not quite sure what just happened. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we come and bring a spiritual song. It blesses God and sometimes we get the overflow and our hearts are touched. That's all you need to say. Or people come in, they see you clapping hands and raising and say, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Lift up holy hands. Read this one verse out of the psalm and all of a sudden they think, hey, this is Bible. It's okay. That's all we've got to do sometimes to allay people's fears and explain. And uh, the stories of God transforming lives don't focus on the signs and wonders there's a signpost up the corner here telling neil street and bayside christian church down the street and i think the church of christ's on there as well if i went up there and i'm driving to town i pull up and i see the sign and i sit out and look at the sign for an hour and don't go to my destiny you'd think i'm a little bit crazy signs are designed to point you somewhere in church life we get people focused on the signs and manifestations instead of seeing where are they pointing. It's that simple. They're pointing people to Jesus. They're pointing them to freedom. They're having an encounter. And there's lots of explanations like that that I find just helpful. And wonders make you wonder what God's up to and how is he transforming people's lives. Signs and wonders. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is always manifest for a kingdom reason, not just so that we can feel excited or be blessed. Oh, I had goosebumps today in the worship. God was here. Well, awesome. But that's not the reason why it's all about. We give an honor to him. Or people say, I didn't like the worship today. And I say, well, it wasn't for you. (laughs) We sometimes just get it. Self-focused instead of Jesus-focused and kingdom life focused oh lord help us i'm going to invite doug valeria he's my executive pastor and oversees our life groups and uh also bible college training doug come and share for a few minutes of how we've done yes to the holy spirit in our life groups thanks doug let's give him a welcome hey thanks pastor ross it's great to uh, great to see so many people here uh how many senior pastors have we got in the uh in the place hands up nice and high okay how many people who are part of their teams are here? Yeah, so that's good. Excellent. All right. Okay, so um, as you know, Ross and Mary Lynn, uh, senior pastors here. Uh, myself and Pete and Tim, we're pastors, uh, you know, that, that, are, that are working here underneath Ross and Mary Lynn. So um, Ross asked me to share with you a bit about how we, how we get Holy Spirit stuff happening in our life groups and uh, and I was thinking about it and really the before it, getting encounters in your life groups doesn't actually start in your life group and it doesn't actually even start with you the life group leader it actually starts in the hearts of your senior pastors so I'm predominantly speaking to you who might be a life group leader or a ministry group leader or somebody here you know like that because because you need to get a hold of the heart of your senior pastor. Okay, you need to grab a hold of it. I've spent quite a bit of my time interviewing Ross and Mary Lynn. We've had meals together. I sit down with them. I talk with them. I find out what's on their heart. 
Because as Ross has already preached, you're seeing your pastors here, you're gatekeepers. So you're either going to be able to open up the spiritual realm for us as leaders and ministry leaders to move into those things or we're not going to be able to. And if you've got a hold of your senior pastor's heart, if you know what they're about, you know what their values are. Ross has already shared just now about the values and the fact that we've got an acrostic that's been written down, Bayside, yes to the Holy Spirit. That's one of our core values. And so as a ministry leader, I need to get a hold of the core values first and foremost before anything else. I need to get a hold of the core values. I need to get a hold of the heart of my senior pastors in order to, before I even start to, to, to design and to develop how the ministry is going to look in my area. And this is, uh, we handed out a sheet earlier which has got some levels of leadership as, a, as, a, as um, one of my roles here, apart from being exec, is that I look after the adult life groups. So I'm operating at that level as a departmental leader. That's a, a level three. Okay, Part of the role of a departmental leader is to design systems. So when I started to sit down and think, how are we going to do life group? How are we going to make sure that we incorporate our core values of the Holy Spirit into our life groups? I have to get hold of their hearts first. Because the problem is, is that if I don't get hold of the hearts of my pastors and I just have a passion for doing what I want to do, then I'm going to start taking little sections of, of the church and I'm going to take them off in my own little tangent. And I start to create a tear in the fabric of the church. And you may have a gift of leadership on your life. And you may have an anointing. You may have a calling on your life. You may right now function as a ministry leader, but you may have a call to be a senior pastor one day. But I tell you what, if you don't learn this lesson, of learning how to serve, learning how to be obedient, learning to subordinate your own desires and your own passions to the, the wishes and the desires of your senior pastors, you're not going to get very far. Because that's the way that spiritual authority works. Where spiritual authority works from top down. And so if you want to come underneath the anointing, if you want to minister in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you need to make sure that you are aligned as a ministry leader under that anointing and the values and the direction of your senior leaders. Now, I'm happy to say that in Bayside Christian Church, that's actually really easy, right? Because Ross and Mary Lynn are awesome leaders, right? They're awesome pastors, and they make it very, very easy for us as ministry leaders to, to flow under that. Right? But we have had situations where other leaders have tried to take things off in slightly different tangents. Right? And that creates a different problem. Okay? Anointed, gifted, leaders, absolutely. But something wasn't in alignment with the heart. And you're never going to get a flow and you're never going to get your church to really grow together in unity until you've learned how to do that. So that's really important. So it starts first not with just doing stuff in your life groups. It starts with you as a leader. Grab a hold of your senior pastor's heart. Get to know them. Take them out. Buy them dinner. Make them dinner. Do whatever you need to do. Right? But it's really important that you need to do that. And your senior pastors appreciate it too. So, those values. Uh, to state the obvious, we're Pentecostal. So we value the experience of the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to do our programming in our life groups, our life groups... Uh, we, we're going to make sure that we make room in our life groups every week to encounter the Holy Spirit and to, and to make sure that we're teaching and we're training. And the best way to teach and train your people is in life groups for this kind of ministry. You see, because the way that we have our, our church services set up, I can't speak for everybody here, 
but certainly the way that we do, is that uh, our church services are set up to encounter the presence of God. And that's really, really important. And I've lost count of the amount of people, grown men, hardened men, who've come in and they sit down at church and before the church services even started, they're weeping because they encounter the presence of God in this place. So it's really important. So our services are set up to encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit. They're set up for transformative teaching. So the teaching, the preaching that we do is there directly to transform and to train people's lives into how they should go, uh, uh, affecting the heart so that hearts are changed and transformed, minds are changed and transformed. And we have our meetings set up so that there is impartation. We pray for the sick regularly. We have altar calls every, every service, pretty much. It's, it's, it's an exception when we don't. So that's what our general meetings are set up. But that leaves a bit of a gap because in that, it doesn't leave much time for one-on-one training for people to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can't have 200 people all jumping up and prophesying at the same time. Right? It's not possible. But we can do that in small groups. We can do that in life groups. So we've designed our life groups specifically to do that. Uh, so we always have a point in our life groups where we do body ministry. That's where the body ministers to the body because that's how we teach each other. That's how we grow one another. That's how we train one another. And it gives people confidence then to move in that. You know, half of the people that change churches these days also change denominations. Gone are the days where you would, you know, be going to a Baptist church and then you'd move to another city and you would go to another Baptist church, right? Over half of the people who move towns now or move churches are moving denominations as well. That means that at any one time in our congregations, we will have people who are Pentecostal, but we'll also have people who haven't come from Pentecostal backgrounds. They haven't come from the kind of churches where, you know, with leaders, if we just assume that everybody in our congregations thinks and acts the same way that we do, then we're going to find that we grow a distance between the leadership and the congregation. In Harvey Bay particularly, we have quite a high transient population. We have uh, people coming in to work and they leave after a couple of years as they come and work in the hospitals. We have people who move to Harvey Bay for a sea change, can't get a job and move out again. So we've always got a turnover of people in our congregation and they come from all different backgrounds. So we cannot assume that everybody just knows how to do church the way that we would expect it to be done. So teaching and training and equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry is a really vital part of that. And that's where our life groups come in. Um, so what do we do? In our life groups, I schedule in some regular times where we actually do a block of teaching on body ministry, where we specifically talk about moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How do we activate prophecy? How do we pray for the sick? That sort of thing, so that we can actually begin to move and minister one to another. And when, when we do that, we focus on activating the prophetic Because once we've activated the prophetic, the rest of it actually comes quite simple. So we focus on activating the prophetic. And we start that not only just by doing some regular blocks of teaching, uh, but we set up the rules. We set up the rules for prophecy. And the rules for prophecy really come from 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for the edification, the exhortation, and consolation or comfort. E-E-C. So they form a triangle, edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when we teach our people, we say, right, these are the rules. 
if the word that you bring forth is edifying, green light for go. If it's comforting, green light for go. If it's exhorting, green light for go. If it falls outside of that triangle, <coughs> no deal. All right? We don't go there. So we don't give predictive prophecies for people when we're in life groups. All right? We leave that for prophets. All right? We're talking about believers' prophecy, the gift of exhortation, comfort, and encouragement. So that's what we teach. If you think that you've got a word for somebody else that they need to be marrying so-and-so, forget it. Don't even give it out. All right? Don't go there. That isn't what believers get the prophecy is about. And, that's what, and we, we absolutely say, if it does not fall within that triangle, you don't go there. You keep it to yourself. All right? I don't care whether you think that you're a prophet. All right? You don't do that in life group. All right? So we teach and we train our people to do that. Um, and then what do we do? After we've done a little bit of training, and, and you've all done this. All right? All your pastors, you've all done this already. You've all taught on, on the gifts of spirit, so we won't labor on that. But what do we do then? We get into it. We start to do it. We pair off and we will begin to activate in the prophetic because your people need activating. All right? If they're filled with the spirit, they've already got it. All right? But they may not know how to activate it. They may not know how to step into it. Smith Wigglesworth said faith, because it all comes by faith, right? Faith is not a step. It's a leap. All right? Now, a step is pretty cautious. You know, when I'm taking a step, one foot stays on the floor all the time. All right? And then I move forward. And that foot stays on the, on the floor, and I carry on going. Right? But faith and activating the prophetic is not stepping forward. It's a leap of faith. You have to leap. You need both feet to leave the ground. So what we do is we actually create a bit of discomfort right, when we activate the prophetic. So we actually set people up in pairs, and we say, right, now you're going to prophesy. Now, that's really scary for somebody who's never done it before. All right? So this is a big leap of faith because now they've got to take what they've just heard in the teaching. They've got to actually do it. So we go from teaching straight into doing, right? We don't won't let it, people sit and, and figure it out and rationalize it and all the rest of it. It's no, just get on with it now, right? And they find that as they do that, they actually get activated in it, and they're surprised by the results. Now, I've said that I'm a Pentecostal, as probably most of us are here. Um, I've had somebody ask me the question, well, what, what happens if I don't speak in tongues? Said, well, don't get hung up on that. Right, when we're activating people in the prophetic, don't get hung up on the fact that they might not have tongues. All right? Because it's not, you know, uh, speaking a word of prophecy doesn't require you to speak in tongues. All right? It says in the, in the word that my sheep know me and they hear my voice. Every believer has a capacity, an inbuilt capacity, to hear the voice of God. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to hear the voice of God. And there might be a reason why somebody doesn't speak in tongues. We had uh, one of our congregational members, I've spoken to him oh, maybe four or five years ago. And he was telling me, oh, you know, I really want the gift of tongues and I've never been able to speak in tongues. And I said to him, do you hear God? And he says, yeah. I said, well, it sounds to me like you're already baptized in the Spirit. If you're already hearing God and he's already speaking to you, then what's the problem? He says, I don't know, I just can't speak in tongues. And I've seen him over the years come out. Every time we, we, we say, anybody up for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, out he comes. And he'll come out and he'll be asking, he'll be praying away, and he's really sincere. And it gets him down that he's never spoken in tongues. Last time we did it, he was out here in the front, and I just had one of those moments where today's the day. 
right? It was where the gift of faith comes upon you. I had absolute confidence that this was going to be the day that he was going to speak in tongues. And there he was standing there, and I started praying for him. I said, have you spoken in tongues yet? He said, no. So I thought, right, what are we going to do now? So I went down the road a little bit further, and I said, okay, what I want to do is uh, I want you to renounce some bad teaching that you've had in the past. So we did. So I led him in a prayer of renunciation of some teaching that he's had from another church that he's been to where tongues was evil, all right? And the gifts of the Spirit are evil, okay? Now he's had that teaching before, but he's been, in, he's been in Pentecostal church for a long time. So I led him in a prayer of renunciation and, a prayer, and, and just prayed for him again for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I told him, now just speak in tongues. And he mumbled a couple of syllables. First time ever. And I said, great, now just take that. Similar to what Ross was saying. He just spoke a couple of syllables. Now take that and keep on doing that over the course of the week and you'll grow. That's how I learned. I spoke two syllables when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Two syllables. Over the course of a week, that began to develop into a sentence and then longer and into a language. And now I don't know how many languages that I have. You know, I have very distinctive different tongues and I can pray, I can sing, I can... Uh, do poetry in tongues you know it's it's a gift that just keeps on growing all right keeps on growing okay so don't get hung up on whether somebody has received the initial evidence okay it's normative for you to speak in tongues but there might be a blockage so don't get hung up when you're trying to activate the prophetic whether a person speaks in tongues or not because there may be another reason for it so what are some of the ways that we uh, we actually do this. One of my favorite ways uh, is uh, I use objects to activate people in the prophetic. So I'll go and I'll get maybe, if we're doing this in life group, I'll just get a tray of random objects from my house and I'll put them on a tray. And then we will start. I'll just ask somebody to go up and they'll take an object and I'll just ask them to spend some time, maybe a minute or two, just uh, reflecting uh, in pairs on, on that and what that might mean for the other person. And you'd be surprised at how often that object God will begin to speak through that and, and just give a, it's, it's just like a, an external picture. Some people are visual. I'm visual. So when God speaks to me, I get lots of pictures and I get the interpretations for those pictures. And this is just a way of having an object which the Holy Spirit can then begin to minister through. We did this for a, uh, a family life group retreat. And uh, what Becky and I did is um, we went up to uh, King Kong Sales. It's, a, it's an anointed place. We went to King Kong Sales, right? and we, we bought a bunch of $2 objects for each of our families. And as they came, at the beginning of the, the weekend, I handed them an object, and I said, right, you're going to get a prophetic word for your family, all right, between the husband and wife, for your family, using this object. And I, you should have seen the looks that I got. It's really? <laughs> You know, and again, we had some people from non-Pentecostal backgrounds. All right, not sure about this. Okay, well that's all right. By the end of the weekend, we all got back together again. We had a meeting, and I said, "Right now, you, I want you to share with everybody else what God's been saying to you through this." And wow, they were so open. I had one guy come up, and he had this object. He said, "Well, he said when when you asked me to do that, I was so skeptical, but God has so spoken to me about my family and what I need to do with my family through this object that you've given me. It's just activation. There is nothing holy in that King Kong two dollar item. Right? It's just a point of activation, and that's that's what we're about in in that. So we pray in twos. 
right, when we're trying to do this because it, it creates that uncomfortable place where you have to take a leap. Um, we do exercises in activating the prophetic. So we might say, right, right now we're going to prophesy in pairs and we're going to prophesy about the other person's finances. So you have to actually learn then not to just get some kind of uh, any old word, but you need to start to sharpen up your prophetic drawing on the Holy Spirit and saying, right, God, I need to draw now upon you and speak a word about the finances of this person's life. And we'll do that over their health. So you need to start drawing specifically about areas of their life. And we'll do that over their relationships and things like that. So, so we're not just getting random words every now and again, but we're beginning to train our people to be very sharp and very focused on that. Uh, another one, which is really, really good, is we prophesy blindfold. Now, that's really scary. Because now, you know, sometimes when you've got a room full of people, particularly in a life group where you've got, you know one another fairly well, right? You know, sometimes you kind of, you know, you know what's in their life. So you try and, try and uh, 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 formulate a word of encouragement for them, right? When you're blindfolded, you can't do that, all right? Because you've got a blindfold on and the person comes and they sit down opposite you. You don't touch them. You don't do anything at all, okay? And, and you'd be amazed, You'd be amazed at what happens when that person sits down. You start getting downloads from the Holy Spirit. And what that does, you see, is it it causes you to rely more on the Holy Spirit because you can't see them. You can't rely on your knowledge of that person or their background or anything else like that. And what that helps you do is that you can now have the confidence once you're able to do that and they confirm the word. They confirm the word that, you know, that was spot on. You know, that was really great. That gives you the confidence to then to prophesy over an absolute stranger who you've never met. You don't know them from anybody. Okay, so that, again, these are all different little exercises to activate you in the prophetic, and they have real-world uh, 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 benefits because once you're confident in doing these things within your small groups, you then can do that out in your workplace. All right, I prophesied over people... In, in the hallway at work, okay? So you can do that, and you can have confidence to do that because you've been trained in it. You've activated it, okay? And the best way to do that is in life groups. So you can be creative, you can mix it up, and you can have fun. But the point is, is that as we do this and we're activating the prophetic, it begins to release all these other areas in our life, and that then flows out into the workforce, flows out into their everyday life, flows out into their home. I prophesy over my kids every night when I send them to bed, right? They say to me, Daddy, Daddy, can we have a picture? And when I'm really dog-tired, that's the last thing I want to do. They say, Daddy, Daddy, can I have a picture? Yeah, okay. And so you have to learn how to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit when you really don't want to, right? When all you want them to do is just go to bed. I've had a hard day. I've like, are you, but you can't because you don't, want to, you don't want to upset your kids. But what that does is it trains them as well because they get to know that they can do that any time. And my kids now prophesy. Yeah? My kids will get a picture. And rather than me interpret it, I'll say, what do you think that means? And there are times they're spot on. There are times they're a little bit off. But that's okay because we're learning. So uh, that's, that's what we do in life groups. But I'd urge you all, Certainly those of you who aren't senior pastors yet, get a hold of your senior pastor's heart. Find out what their core values are, right? Spend that time getting to know them. Interview them. And then make sure that you've got their heart 
in the ministry because you're not building your own ministry. You're building theirs. Wow. Thank you so much, Doug. That's awesome. How was that, eh? That was so good. Thanks very much, Doug. Wow, hosting the presence of God. We do multiple services here, so we don't have hours. We've got a half-hour change between a 10, the 8.30 finishes at 10, and with 10.30 we start the next service. I put off doing it for about two years. I thought, how are we going to fit yes to the Holy Spirit when we've got much more uh, time frames? God's been very gracious. Occasionally, power of God's working. We release the people at 5 past 10, and we keep ministering at the altar, and then we move into the next service. That, but it's... You, don't don't have excuses just find ways that was great Doug just learning to do that over your kids your families and because it's about equipping this body it's not just having a great pulpit ministry going on here you have a whole pile of spectators instead of involved people and that's really good so hosting the presence of God there's an interesting scripture in Luke 9 and I put that on and Luke 10, when Jesus sent the 12 and the 72 out, what did he tell them to do? He said, you go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out evil spirits. The ministry mandate for the disciples, and I don't see in the Bible that's changed, but I rarely hear that preached either. Our ministry as leaders and ministers is to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out evil spirits. And God spoke to me about when the Toronto move of God happened. I went over there for a week and got plugged into the electricity of God and just blew me away. And I remember I came back and I preached for years and the Holy Spirit said, um, I said, what are you doing in Toronto? He says, I'm just restoring the mandate I set when I was on the earth. I said, okay. So for the last 22 years, I make sure I try and preach the gospel, pray for the sick and cast out evil spirits whenever they pop up. And some people say, oh, we can't do that demon stuff. That's going to scare everyone away. I've had exactly the opposite. If you do a little bit of explanation, if you worship teams and someone starts to manifest in a meeting, I've seen the whole atmosphere becomes electric and people get saved straight after because they've seen that God's power is greater than darkness and we think it's going to scare them away and it always draws them in. As long as you don't let it get weird and people screaming and carrying on forever. If I can't get someone free quickly, I'll close it down have a talk with them. If I can pray through some unforgiveness, there's usually occult involvement, unforgiveness, sexual sin, or other stuff going on. I said, we need to catch up during the week and get a counselor or yourself to pray that through. Get them free of that, and then the, the evil spirits have got nowhere to, to hide. That's how we do it. But don't be afraid of Holy Spirit, my friend, if it's done right and healthy and whole. I'm going to ask uh, Mary Lynn to come and now share a bit on how do we receive personally and in ministry let's give her a hand as she comes to share thank you thank you I just um, really appreciate um, what Doug said and and you can to give you an idea hearing from him what the gift of a teacher looks like in the life of a church and what a blessing that has been personally to Ross and I because he has pulled out of us <laughs> a lot of uh, of you here have spent your lives and are spending your lives pastoring and and leading and you do it a lot of it intuitively because that's what comes naturally to you and it's very difficult to put into words sometimes but it's necessary 
and uh, and Doug spent that time with us, and uh, and you know it's been amazing. Just just asking us like like tell me tell me how you do this, and and to to be able to put it into words that he can write down, and to be able to teach people. And it's been a difficult exercise, but necessary. And I encourage you, as as pastors, do you know. We on any, any given Sunday, it's there's a thousand things going through your mind, and it's difficult to tune your heart and your focus into here. It can be from the Holy Spirit, and and uh, you know there's the the thoughts of um, you're racing to get here. You know, oh, I hope the people come. I hope that that new family comes back. Um, gee, it's hot in here. I hope should I adjust the air conditioning or get somebody else? Hope somebody else picks up on that. And and uh, oh, the sound guy's new. Oh, I hope he gets it quickly. And uh, you know, you look over. Oh, there's that couple we cancelled last week. I hope they're doing better. They're sitting together. That's good. You know, there's there's just so so many things just running, 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 running. And and you know, it's just the nature of the job. And it's a privilege. It's an honour. It's it's a tough gig, as Ross said, but it's a good one. You know, there's no other place on earth where we can gather together, um, people of all ages, all cultures, and and backgrounds, where we can laugh and we can cry, we can hug each other, and you know, we can sing and we can worship and we can hear from God and and some of the greatest. And the most significant moments of a person's life happens in church. It happens in this body ministry. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And when you have an anticipation and an expectation that God is going to move, he is going to be here, wonderful things happen. And it is miraculous, (laughs) When you get to the end of a Sunday, and like Ross said, we have three services, and and we look. I'm always looking at the seats because people are creatures of habit. They sit in the same seats. And when you see that empty seat, and I don't know about you, but I've spent a lot of time trying to not be led by my emotions and my feelings. Some personalities, it's not just a male-female thing. It's personality as well where your emotions can be what leads you. and But emotions are not something that we can trust and rely on. I mean, when the state of origin's on and you and, and, you know, and uh, Queensland scores a goal, it's like, yes! It's, it's explosive, it's instant, it's like, yeah! And New South Wales scores, it, oh. You know, it's sort of, they come and they go. They rise and they fall and... And you know, and you cannot fully trust those emotions. And being able to to receive from God, being able to tune in, as Ross was saying about tuning in, getting to hear, learning to hear from the voice of the Spirit. At times, you've got to quieten your own human emotion. You've got to prepare your heart. Number one to I found in coming into um, God's presence, whether that's personally in your own home, whether that's um, in a life group, small group, 
or whether that's corporately and you're leading in a service, it starts with a prepared heart. Often it's that that Friday morning prayer meeting or it's a Saturday night check-in. <laughs> if you if it's been a busy week, <laughs> it's like, oh my Lord, what am I going to say tomorrow? You know, let's hope that doesn't happen to you very often, but it happens. It happens. You you get calls. You know, stuff happens. But so the Saturday night, you need to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to say, what he wants to do in and through you and follow and follow, start to follow that lead. It starts with the songs, you know, um, a scripture that you've read and you know what I mean. Sometimes we make it more complicated. Second is to be honest with yourself and with Father God. This is where the emotionally be real. We need to be honest with our feelings, but don't run with them. Because feelings will take you. And, um, you know, like when you're looking at those empty seats or, you know, what... The the discouragement is one of the biggest tools, the subtle things that the enemy uses. You are smart, intelligent people. And you are well-trained. You're you're gifted. But the silliest little things discourage you. I know. (laughs) Because it happens to me too. These little things, the little foxes can spoil the vine. And being honest with yourself and, and bringing that before God with, with the things that are worrying you, that are troubling, that keep coming back to you. Write them down. Put it aside so that you can tune in and hear from the heart of God. Sometimes I need to ask myself, is there something troubling me? And then ask the Holy Spirit, is there someone I need to forgive? If you find that you're not receiving, you're not hearing from God, uh, unforgiveness is the biggest block I know to, to receiving and through for, uh, impartation prayer. We'll talk about that in a moment. Unforgiveness is it's so, so pivotal to, to a lot of what we do and what we need to do. And being big enough to say, Lord, I'm sorry, or I choose to forgive them. And I release my forgiveness. I give my forgiveness to that person. Freeze your heart. And we pray and we give him all those things that have been vicarious trauma, the things that have come into your life that are not yours, but you care. You're a shepherd. You're a pastor. And we get told some very sad things. And it can creep up on you. I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that last Tuesday I reached a point where I just it crept up at me so quickly that I couldn't stop crying and I was just like my lord this is ridiculous I'm sitting in the staff meeting and tears are running down my face and you know what it was I just uh, this is where the bones of this game was preparing my heart I realized I had just taken on there's another another loss someone else's loss someone else's struggle someone else's trauma and I'm trying to organize that, trying to pray for them, make sure that they're getting followed up. Counsel, you know, like I wasn't doing it all myself, but I somehow I had absorbed their pain. And I thought, whoa, after all these years, Lord, I thought I, you know. <laughs> but I, I, you know what I did? I self-cared. Ross sent me home straight away and I went to bed. <laughs> I was exhausted, just physically exhausted. 
tiredness. Hello, simple as that, tiredness. Take care of yourself, pastor. Take care of yourself, leader. And learn what works for you in self-care. I went home, I went to bed. I got up, I put music on, my worship music. I love Darlene Check. <laughs> and I love, you know, yeah, we, we go on, you know, Jesus culture. Anything that really nurtures and speaks to your spirit. The next day, I just, I slept in, I read the word. I got up, I ate something, I read the word. I just listened to the music, I worshipped. And, and just let my spirit get nurtured and nurtured and rebuilt and rebuilt. And then I felt silly by the weekend. I felt fine. <laughs> but he said, no, have a Sunday off. And so I, I went to a girlfriend's and we had coffee. And, you know, it's just little things like that. You know, things can creep up on you as a pastor. And you think you've got to spin the wheels harder. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is have a sleep. Have a rest. Take, it, take the pressure off yourself and your spouse and those that are closest to you. We've got an awesome team. And, you know, we need to look into their faces at times and say, how are you? And, and take the time to listen. You know, because we're in this for the long haul. And we are human. We have these, um, you know, these, these things can creep up on us. Even well-seasoned pastors, it can creep up on you. But God's faithful and he's good. And thank God for a husband who just says, have the weekend off. No, stay there. Stay with Gail. That was very good. <laughs> and so anticipation. This is a good thing. God is about to do something amazing. And, and this is where you go out of your feelings and you take that step of faith. And sometimes it takes two feet leap that, no, God's going to do something great here this morning. God's going to use me. He's going to speak through me. And, you know, he can make a wasteland bloom with life. He can make a roadway in the wilderness. He can make rivers in desert. He can do anything. He can show up and powerfully heal and transform it's not up to the way I feel it's not up to feeling I feel confident this morning so God's gonna move that's not how this works you know that but you know in that split moment sometimes you think that I don't feel very confident and so what can happen God can move a mountain he can he could just heal someone and he shows you just because he loves you and, he, and it's, it's not up to us mustering up enough, you know, Holy Spirit power to make it happen. He's here and he loves you and he lives within you. I love this um, Thanksgiving. Is, so we've got prepare our heart. Be honest with yourself and Father God. Pray. Give everything to him. Anticipate. Take that step of faith. And then fifthly, five, Thanksgiving. Psalm 100, 4 to 5 says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will come into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for he is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. We come into his presence with thanksgiving. This is how we receive. Staying thankful. That's why we sing those praise songs. Make the most of them. If you are leading in your service, the songs that are sung, it's like Ross said, sometimes all you need to do is carry it just a little bit further. 
and the Holy Spirit will break through the truth of what's being sung will start to hit home into hearts. And I, I teach when I was um, worship director, Kerry Ann is now the girl that led last night. I've taught this for years. We come into his courts. We come into his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. This is where we start to remind one another of God's goodness. And remember back yourself. Where would I be if it wasn't for Jesus? Thank God that that's, that's not part of my life any longer. We talk to each other through the songs. And you talk about Jesus and about what he's done for me, what he's about to do. And we remind ourselves and the, the mood shifts. And if there is, you haven't been able to prepare your heart very well, there's a moment in a meeting where this can happen. And sometimes all it takes is just like that you're reminded of who he is, what he's done, and thankfulness comes back. And then it's just a quick moment, Lord, check in. I'm sorry. I, I've just been so preoccupied. God, I need you this morning. I need your help. And, and that thankfulness comes in and then you start to open up. Your heart starts to prepare and you start to, to be able to enter into worship. Because then, then once you've dealt with these things in your heart, you've, you've, you're able to then give him your worship. And there's a shift that takes place where we stop talking about him and about what he's done and we start talking to him. And it becomes personal. And this is when, you, when he becomes my saviour. He's my Lord. And, I, and that's when you start to worship. You start, when you give him your heart in worship, whether you've got to, you're up next and you've got to do communion and like who's, next, who's, on, who's doing the offering and who's, you know, there's all these thoughts running through your head, your run sheet, the time, everything that's got to be done. There's a split moment decision, Pastor, that you can step in to worship. You can do this. You lead the way in the congregation and see what happens. The people watch you playing on your phone. They do. They watch you where you're not entering in to the praise and the worship. And they think, oh, well, you know, it can't be that important. They don't do it. But, and the worship leaders breaking their neck trying to get people to come with me come on come on let's enter his gates with thanksgiving let's give him praise because he's worthy he is worthy of our worship and you're fiddling on the phone or something you know it's 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 just a split moment decision that we make where we give him all our worship where we give him our heart that that we say god you are awesome and we stop talking about him and we start talking to him. You are the lover of my soul. You are the one that rescued me. I love you. Love Jesus. You're my lover. You're my friend. And we worship. We enter in. We take a step of faith and we worship him. And then, then the atmosphere often shifts. When there's, when there's worship released like that, the prophetic, it only takes an itty-bitty song, a half-prophetic song, and it takes another shift. And there's a hunger, anticipation starts to build. 
and people start to feel it. And anybody who's remotely um, prophetic will freak up. Ooh, something's happening. And then God starts to move. And their hearts are open. Their hearts are ready. We've worshipped. And then often, once there's, there's a love, there's like a wave and a wave of worship. And a wave of love will come over and wash over the people and come back. And, and it rises and it falls. <clears throat> Again, using the songs, using the, the, the chorus, using the, the tag, using a bit, the pre-chorus. And then there's often prepares a platform for the prophetic so that when you get up to speak that you're ready there can be what you've already been thinking in your word what God's already given you a psalm a scripture and suddenly it's easier because you've stepped in you've stepped into this place where there's a rest once that washing that love washes over you often the presence of God settles with a rest and it's like, you know, there's love and then there's, oh, and, and we enter into his rest. And then almost anything could happen and you could care less. <laughs> but, but it's just like because he is in control and he loves you. He loves you, son. He loves you, daughter. And he wants to just make this easy for you. He wants to work hand in glove with you. And, you know, because all he's asking, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. He's, all he's asking us of us is to be faithful, to be obedient, to be obedient. Just follow his lead. What, what do you want to do with me today? What do you want me to do with the rest of my life? That's a big question. <laughs> what do you want to do in the next five minutes? And then obey. Obey him. He will make you faithful. He will make you faithful. Uh, fruitful, I'm sorry. Obey and be faithful to what he tells you to do. Be faithful. Do what he's asking and he will make you fruitful. Thank you, Father, for my beautiful brothers and sisters. I thank you for every one of their gorgeous hearts. Lord, I pray that you will seal in them that word that you are pleased with them. It's not to look around at their peers and to, to feel disqualified or discouraged, but to, to know that, that you are pleased with them, that you say, well done, well done, my good and my faithful servant. Enter into your rest. You don't need to work harder. You just need to work with me. Put your hand in mine. And I will show you, I will lead you, I will draw you as you are obedient and to be faithful to do all that I ask you to do, I will make you fruitful. Thank you for that, Lord. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's very good. Very good. key scripture that came as you were sharing was out of innermost being shall flow rivers of living water not strive not make happen flow a river flows you have to try and make it flow it flows the battle is entering into the rest getting rid of all the distractions and once you get in there there's a flow 
happens. Anything can happen then. And you do that preparation beforehand and sometimes in those first few minutes when you're at church and I just put my hands up, like I said last night, and they're my antenna. As soon as I can, close my eyes. What are you up to today, Holy Spirit? What do you want to do in me and through me? That's the simple questions I ask every time I get in a meeting. Sometimes I get into a counseling situation. I say, Holy Spirit, what are you up to today? Because the best thing you can do is just cooperate with what he's doing in people's lives. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have how to sort it all out. You don't have to have the greatest sermon to preach. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in your church and your people? And help me to flow with that. Just takes a whole lot of stress and pressure out of life and ministry. Yeah. Just picking up what he's saying. Following the lead of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was, I think I was 20 or 21, Phil Pringle came to our church when he had just arrived in Australia in 1981. Just had 300 people in his church in Sydney. Started one year before. He came to the church at Nambour. And our pastor got him up. And we had 50 people got saved in one week. And this little church had just rocked our world. He had a leaders meeting and he prophesied. He called me out. He'd never, I'd never met him. And this is what he said. He said, the Holy Spirit will anoint you. And you will intuitively and very quickly know exactly where the Holy Spirit's going in the meetings for the rest of your life. And it just blew me away because already the previous months I'd be in a meeting and I'd just know where we had to go next. And it's been a precious gift. Occasionally I'm tired or I miss it or I'm too zealous and I overrun. But, oh Lord. So there's just been this desire to know. It's a really hard gift to have. I go to conferences and people miss it and I'm, I'm in the back seat saying, no, no, don't do that. Do this. Not that I'm any better, but the Holy Spirit, for whatever reason, has just given me an awareness. And so we try to flow that. We train our worship leaders. Don't just sing songs. Lead the people in worship. Don't just sing songs and have all the right chords. Do that. That's the practice. But lead the people in praise and worship. Take them with you. Don't close your eyes the whole time because you don't know where the people are. If you're taking people on a, a, a walking track and you're the guide, you don't keep your eyes closed. You keep them open. 90% of the time, the, the worship leader and that musician's got your eyes open so you can take the people with you. Draw them in if they're a bit lagging behind. So we teach them how to just respond. And as you can see, we're learning how to do that. We're still getting better at it. But God's helping us to flow. And ask questions. This is the best thing God's taught me the last few years. I ask questions. say, Lord, what's that picture mean? What's that feeling mean? Mean, you know, it's like you get a sense that God wants to lift discouragement off people. I say, Holy Spirit, how do we do that today? Don't do it like we did last time that word came, because today's probably different. He's a creative God of variety and love. We get so boring. We get, we talk about traditions. We get our own traditions. Anything you do three or four times in a row becomes a tradition. It's not all bad, but God loves variety. Just flowing. So just making room. Pick up what the Holy Spirit's saying through a song. It might be the first song or the last song, and there's one word or line just grabs your spirit. If you're the meeting leader or communion or preaching or doing whatever, or worship leading, just pick it up. I cringe when I see the Spirit of God so clearly saying, look, that's the theme today. There's three songs in a row saying the same thing, and the worship leader misses it. 
or the meeting leader gets up and doesn't pick it up. I'm thinking, no. Because it's so obvious if you're tuned. That's all. It's not hard. And it's not just because I've got a prophetic bent, all of us. It's just so clear. And many of you have picked that up. And just it's just flowing with that. And uh, the Word and the Spirit work together. I just want to say this. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit works, we forget to teach the Word. Sometimes we teach the Word and forget to make room for the Spirit. It's the Word and Spirit. Someone taught me this little ditty a long time ago, and it's a bit funny, but it's true. If you have all the Word and no Spirit, you'll dry up. If you have all the Spirit and no Word, you'll blow up. If you have the Word and the Spirit together, you'll grow up. <laughs> That's a basic philosophy I try to keep in church life. It's very simple, but it's, uh, it's very clear. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Freedom. Like I said, don't wait till the end of the service to pray for the sick. Do it at communion time. Do it at the end of the worship. Do it wherever. Sometimes before you preach. Sometimes it'll be at the end because you're preaching on faith and that's going to be the best time that it's going to happen. Don't always wait till the end of the service to go for souls. Sometimes you have a great worship song or the communion message is just the presence that God came on forgiveness. Before you preach, say, hey, I believe there's some people here today that you need to meet Jesus. Well, you need to reconnect with Jesus. Who's that right now? Just on altar calls, Meriden's going to come in a moment just share a couple more thoughts on impartation ministry. I was chatting with someone last night. We st- when, people, when we ask for people, do you want to respond to Jesus? Most times we'll get them to put their hand up and then I invite them to come to the front. Because I read Jesus' life and he always called people publicly. Follow me. We don't want to offend people, so we've made it so easy. People make decisions with their minds, but they're not transformed. I'm not quite sure where we got that, but I don't believe it's the best way to encounter people with Jesus. I've just upset a few people right now but let me tell you we get them to respond we don't do it and embarrass we say that we don't want to embarrass you but we believe God's calling you we'd love you to come and meet my wife and I or some of the team and we want to pray with you to help you understand what's happening and what response you've just made you say they won't come 95% of people in our church put their hands up walk down the front if you do it right they're not going to be embarrassed if God's really working on the heart, and then we'll lead them in a prayer. I'll sometimes do a one-minute explanation of Romans 10, 9, and 10. I'll then lead them and the whole congregation. So our church gets saved every Sunday. Everyone makes a recommitment and can reconfession that Jesus is their Lord. It's a good thing for the church too. So they get it done every week as well. And then, before we take them either on the front seat or out the side to give them a Bible and get their phone number and name we then take 30 seconds and pray for them to have an encounter with God don't embarrass them just say hey someone here will just for a moment pray that God's love or peace or power will touch your heart because I've learned if people have an encounter and an experience they won't walk easily away from that but if they've just made a decision they can be talked in or out of it so we just believe for a moment for God's love to touch their heart or for his power or forgiveness, or darkness, or heaviness to lift off their soul. Sometimes you get a word of knowledge as you're doing it. 
and I'll just be praying and, and I'll say, it's a miracle you're standing here today, isn't it? The enemy's tried to take you out two or three times in your life and you know that this is a gift of God that you're alive today and all of a sudden they start weeping, the presence of God touches them. Take them, so I give them the Bible, the number, they'll never forget that moment. That's the encounter. can happen in 30 seconds. Don't have to prophesy over them. Sometimes it's just a prayer. Say, Lord, let, let the peace of God just come right now. Take a moment for people to encounter and decide. That's the way we do it. You guys work out how you do it, but I think we've settled for less sometimes. Jesus called people publicly. Just want to talk for a few more minutes before we break, and we're going to split into groups, and we're going to do some life group ministry in a moment. We're going to pray and prophesy over one another. We're going to split into groups of four. We'll do that. But, Marilyn, can you just come for a few minutes and just talk a little bit about impartation prayer when we get people to for response and not just for salvation or for healing but impartation because a lot of churches don't do it because they don't understand what dynamics happening thanks no i used to um really dread this um (laughs) being asked to come out and pray for people years ago and i would uh because i wasn't quite sure what uh, what i was doing and uh, and so i would stand behind them and support, put my hand on their shoulder and, and pick, um, pick the women. Or I'd pick the ones that were already wobbly. <laughs> they, 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 like, they went down. I prayed. You know. <laughs> Not really. But that was when I was very immature. Very, very young and immature. But um, a few things helped me. Um, uh, to to be able to take that step of faith from um, standing behind and supporting someone to walk around the front and to and to believe God, put my hand on a person's head and believe God for them. And this is a few things shifted in my uh, my understanding. I began to understand the scriptural principle of what we were doing and why. And and first of all, there's the believer's prayer of agreement. And that's something that we see in Mark 16, 18. It says, these signs will follow those that believe. They will drive out demons. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover and they will speak with new tongues, etc. And um, and so this can happen in a meeting where we can say, okay, what you get into groups over here of three and four and you agree together in prayer for such and such over our nation or for the needs within that group. This is the believer's prayer of agreement. And you can do that at at any given point. You can do that in the supermarket. You can do that in church. And that's a privilege we have as a believer. And then there's another scripture that that, um, in Mark 16, 18, it talks about um, the laying on of hands again. Um, it's 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 in a in a ministry a context that these signs will follow those who believe. They will drive out demons. They lay hands on the sick, and they will speak with new tongues. Oh, I read that. I read the wrong one. The first one was if two believers agree about anything, and ask uh, in my name, it will be done. And yeah, that was the the Matthew eighteen. Um, 18 to 20. You can see why I'm not a Bible teacher, <laughs> Bible college lecturer. So there's the there's the two in the believer's prayer of agreement. 
and then there's the the ministry aspect of laying on of hands and then there's the anointed and set apart where we lay hands on people in Acts 13, um, 2 and 3, set apart for ministry, where Barnabas and Saul were recognized by their leaders and um, prayed for them, laying on their hands, and they off they went into ministry. And um, often this impartation prayer is really a point of contact um, where we, where we are praying for people for deliverance from demonic strongholds. Um, it may be for breakthroughs or even just a breakthrough in the soul, soul realm. Um, when I'm praying for people, the way I learned to, to connect into uh, the life of the Spirit myself was, was through song. And I would, I would sing, sing in the Spirit. And, and then I would connect. That's just how I learned as a, as a new Christian was to, to tune in to the Holy Spirit, was to sing in tongues and to sing in the Spirit. It may be different for you, but that was one way that I would regularly just attune my heart by singing in the Spirit. And I learned to connect with the Holy Spirit. So when it came then to... Um, praying for an individual, taking that step of faith from, the, from agreement, prayer of believers, prayer of agreement. I had had my hands, had hands laid on me. I was set apart for ministry. I walk around and then I take a step of faith and I pray for an individual. This is the, what we, we call the impartation prayer. And that's when we're training our frontline teams or or um, support people, we we will say there there are a few people in the ministry team that will do the impartation prayer. The others is a prayer of agreement that that you know you that where the other person is asked you, will you agree together in prayer with me? So that we don't just open the altar for anyone to come out here and pray for our people when they've come out for ministry that the impartation prayer comes through the ministry that that we have, like, you know, Doug and Pete were saying, like they, we're, their heart is with us, we've prayed, we've prepared ourselves, and this is a ministry team. And and you, you have that privilege of imparting because we do carry anointing. We carry something of ourselves is always um, there when we pray for people. And that's just God uses us as a vessel. And so I, in order to um, tune into the Spirit myself, I also have a simple strategy that, that has helped me to, um, to go to prepare my heart, put aside um, my thoughts and my emotions. And, and I connect in by, I see myself, I put my hand up also, but I see myself as connecting into Father God and I just make a simple prayer. This is your daughter. This is this is your son. What do you want to say and do for this for this person right now? And I might just say, Father God, they need healing, and I'm I am taking step of faith. When I put my hand on their head, I'm believing you will flow through me. And it is like like that, like a hose that goes that way and to that person. And so that that's where the impartation. I'm taking that step of faith um, with the privileged position of ministry to pray an impartation prayer on that person's behalf, on their life. It took me a few years to learn this. 
I would do that and sometimes I would tap into the Holy Spirit and then I would go, there she goes again. I just would get slain in the Spirit and the poor person standing there. And I just would take it all. Thank you very much. And there wasn't, you know, I was receiving from God, but I wasn't given anything. And so I had to develop a simple strategy in my thinking. You know those showers that we used to have where the nozzle, you could turn it one way and it would come out this way. You turn it the other way and it would go down into the tub. I had to learn that I flick the switch and it goes to them. (laughs) It goes, dump, dump, not dump. So I, I did that by faith. Also, it was for your son, for your daughter. So I'm flicking the switch this way. And so the Holy Spirit download would come and then I give it. I give it. And that's, that's me being obedient and faithful. That's all God's asking of me as a servant of God is to be obedient and faithful and he'll make me fruitful. Okay? Whether the person receives it or not, is largely up to them. This is where unforgiveness comes in. A big, big blockage. People can stand there and they look very, very, you know, holy or, you know, they've come to, they've responded, but there could be things in their heart that they've not surrendered to God, that they've hidden, or there's, they can, you know, they're standing, they've sat, stood through the worship time with their arms folded. Like there's, there's stuff in their heart. They haven't prepared their heart. You do have to prepare your heart to receive. Other people, you've, I don't know about you, but over the years since I've done, learnt not to, I've prayed for lots of people and you go from one person and they just, it's kind of like a magnet, they just draw it out of you. And it's like the, um, Jesus said, who touched me? I just felt the power go out of me. Somebody's hungry. Somebody got it. Who? And the poor woman, like, it was me. And, you know, because the hunger was there, the heart was open and ready, and, and they got it. And then you go to the next person, it goes, dunk, dunk. And you think, what's the, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh. And, you know, and it's just, it's just amazing. The fruit salad of responses you get on the front when you're praying for people. And I'm like, what's the difference, Lord? Why? Why was that? Oh, no, 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 why? I don't know. I don't get it. And and this is just a few things that that I have I've learned is 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 that it is largely you do your part. You be obedient and you be faithful and let him do the fruit. But the the people need to be taught too to prepare their hearts. And how do they receive from God? And often it comes, comes from a humble and contrite heart, you know, asking God's forgiveness and the hunger of their heart and their spirit and, and to receive. And, that, and sometimes, sometimes it's you. <laughs> they got an offense with you. And they won't receive from you. They won't. Like Jesus went to his hometown and he could only do a few small miracles because they were offended at him. They said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Who did he think he is? And they received nothing. 
or next to nothing. And sadly, Pastor, it may be, you know, it may be your fault. We're not human. I mean, we are human. We're not perfect. We are not perfect, obviously. Um, But, you know, it may be an issue, again, of offence. It may be that you uh, represent the a leadership, you represent pastors in the church. It may be an authority issue, in other words, and that's why. It, but it's their issue, and and then if you you may need to follow that up, and it may be a father wound, it may be a mother wound in their heart, and you represent a father figure, a mother figure, and it's an opportunity for ministry, but God is willing. If we are faithful, he is willing. And I just encourage you. Is that what, is that, is that all you want me to say? I'm just, <laughs> I'm going out. Can keep, I don't want to keep rambling, but um, God's good. <laughs> Thanks, Dar. That was awesome. Now you know why I get her to preach more and more in church. Because she connects to people's hearts. Um, so... God's at work. We want to encourage you. Some churches don't do much impartation prayer. Think, well, we'll preach the word and let them work it out. I think there's a powerful place for it. We've had people come and they say, you know, three weeks ago when one of your team prayed for me, it's like just the light turned on and all of a sudden I saw what was going on in my life. Sometimes you get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or an authority of the Spirit comes and all of a sudden some darkness flees off their soul. And I just believe if you don't do that sort of ministry regularly, you need to have some place or ways for Holy Spirit ministry time because people are so hungry for it. And occasionally you'll have the same people come up and want prayer a hundred times. Don't turn them away, but get someone to get beside them and say, hey, what's really going on in your heart? Maybe they don't know how to receive well. Maybe there's just stuff. And I remember I had a prophet guy many years ago in a church and he got really upset with God one time because this one guy in the church used to always come up. And he had some mental health issues. And this guy was saying, oh, I'm not going to pray for him anymore. And God got a hold of him and rebuked him and says, Whose anointing is it? Whose gift is it? And he said, From that day on, I never stopped releasing what was on me for that person who may have been wrestling with stuff and took a long time to get it. I thought, Wow. Wow. God's good. One more thing and then we're going to spin the groups. Word, deed and sign. Three fingers. Word, deed, sign. Many years ago, I was reading through the book of Acts. I thought, why don't our churches turn the world upside down like they did? And I heard David Pawson preach a message about 30-something years ago. And in the middle of his message, he used these three words. If you want to change your world, it's word, deed, sign. Never forgotten it, and it's burned in my heart, and it's a foundation scripture I do life and ministry with. Look at the book of Acts. They taught the word. They taught. They lived the word. They preached the word. They did the deeds of kindness and love and caring for the poor and needy. There were no needy persons among them. Wow. The signs and wonders flowed. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He says, most churches are good at one or two, but very few are good at all three. If you get a church and leaders that know how to do all three well, they're the churches that will change their world. And I started to look at the salvos are brilliant at the deeds, not sure about the signs. 
And so I, it's, it's just been one of my little checklists. Every now and then I say, how are we doing with word, deed and sign in the balance of our church? Just a little check in the back of my heart. Okay, we're going to split in a group. Pete, come and tell us how we're going to do this. Thanks, Peter. Cool. People are fruit salad at the altar. If you haven't written any points at all, that's one to write down. <laughs> oh, that's all good. We've got, a, um, we've got a fun exercise to do, and I did this uh, years ago, actually, at, um, when I did Young Guns, and, uh, and they still do that, and uh, for a movement down the Gold Coast. But we're going, it's a prophetic exercise, so it's kind of like what Doug was talking about before. This one's a little bit different. What we're going to do, we're going to split into uh, groups, so they're set up there, should be enough, and uh, I would encourage you, groups of four, yep, and so I encourage you to when we do this though to split into groups with people you don't know okay that's what i would do um and this is how it's going to work so there's going to be four people and you'll start off like this one person you'll choose is you're going to pray for that person okay another person will be taking notes okay so on the chair there there's what i've got written here will be on there explaining this and underneath it those bits of paper are there and so one person will be taking notes ready to take notes the third and fourth people will as they pray so you'll basically three of you will pray for one person including the person who's going to take notes as you pray for a couple of minutes for the person you're praying for them saying god what do you want to show them today what do you have for them what are you doing in their life you're asking god also praying for blessing on them um as you do that you're expecting God to give you a picture, or it could be a, a word, it could be a sentence, it could be a few sentences, it could be a paragraph. We're not looking for a 10-minute download. Um, I was, we're not having lunch today. And so, um, but we're talking about 30 seconds, just to get something from there, from God, for that person. And then, so when you get something, now you might get after 30 seconds, 40 seconds, you might pray and you get, you get something. You just speak it out. So then don't, you don't have to yell at them and say the Lord or whatever, but just say, I just see God doing this and, or explain a picture to them. You might get a picture and then you might get an interpretation of what you think that means or what God is showing you about them. And, so, and then the person ready to write, you need to be, as you're praying, be ready. If someone starts saying something, oh, you need to write down the main things. Try and get as much as you can, but the main points of what they're saying. Okay, so you do that. So we're talking about three or four minutes max per person. Okay, and then you're going to swap. So there's four people in the group, then you swap positions. So after a time, about 10 to 12 minutes, 12 minutes or so, we're basically looking to um, every person we prayed for and then written down two or three uh, words over their life. So the person taking notes, God may give you a word for the person as well. So you might be taking notes, but then you get a picture as well. So then you speak it out, but then also write it down. So then at the end of it, you write the person's name on that bit of paper and you give it to them and say, this is, this, you take this with you because this is what God spoke. And, take, and keep it and look at it. And, and I've still got ones from 10 years ago or whatever that when, that, when I did this exercise. So does that, is that, and then lunch is a quarter past one. So we've got 15 minutes, okay, um, to do that. Does that, a few of us be floating around if you need uh, help, but... If that's clear, no questions, everyone's good? Cool, excellent. One more thing. We're going to then break for lunch. A few people can't stay tonight, have to go back. We've got a feedback form we'd like you to fill out. So if you are leaving um, this afternoon, you have to get back to your churches, whatever, um, please grab a feedback form. They'll be on their back um, uh, desk down there. Just grab it, fill it out, and just don't put your name on anonymous feedback. We just want to get an idea of how you've been, been impacted by this format. Tonight, 
We've got an amazing time together for those that have come. The worship team will be on a different team tonight. And God's given me a very powerful word on how do we build and maintain confidence in leadership and ministry because that's the thing the devil tries to rob. So we're going to have a great time tonight. And Alan, are you going to be here tonight, Alan? Alan's got an amazing story of God's provision in their church. And I'm going to get him to share for five minutes tonight. That will just blow you away. <laughs> so God's up to some things. And Mary Lynn's going to share it briefly again tonight. So we're going to have a great time. Let's move into our groups. And uh, you can go to the same groups or a different spot out the back down there. And let's do that together. And then we'll have a great lunch in the afternoon. Have some time of fellowship and together. But let's do this now and let the Holy Spirit flow through e- each other. Thank you. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.